tonight we're we're going to start. I've got three weeks to to jump in on the subject of uh, comparative religion. And um, before I jump into you know the religion, the, the uh, you know the different sects of denominations and all the different things um, and different avenues, I want to just start with uh, any, you know the issue of the truth, right? If you the old saying goes, if you um, if you know the, the the real thing, you'll spot a phony, right? If you know the authentic thing, it's easy to spot something that's not authentic. And so tonight, I want to just kind of, by way of introduction, focus on on this passage here. It says, "And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Um, we often say, and it's also said, the truth will set you free. But in this case, it makes you free, right? It changes us from the inside out. And so, uh, the purpose of our study is going to be to uh, bring uh, the practical nature of the major doctrines of the Scripture to light by setting them on the backdrop of false religions, giving every member of Heartland an opportunity to gird up the loins of their mind and give an answer for the hope that lies within them with meekness and fear. So one of the things I've learned over the years is not to spend too much time um, learning about what everyone else believes, um, but to the exclusion of the truth. So the, the man who has wisdom is content to believe the Word of God uh, is truth and, and runs with it. And so we're not really called to study everyone else's, you know, belief system. Uh, we're really called to study the Word of God. It is true. It is the standard. Uh, and so that's what we're going to start with. Um, and so Paul was pleased with the Thessalonians who believed the Word of God is truth despite suffering persecution. In First Thessalonians 2.13, uh, the Bible says, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So the word of God works in those who simply believe it. And that's where we got to start. You know, do you believe this book? Because if you don't believe this book, it doesn't really do us any good to talk about what everybody else believes, because uh, it doesn't really matter, frankly. Um, uh, the truth is what we are about, and that's what we need to have in our hands and our hearts. Having said that, I want you to know that, that my intention throughout the study is not to lay out every detail of every false religion. Uh, there's there's so many uh, other men that could probably do that so much better than myself. Um, but, but frankly, there are more men uh, who are much more studied in the details and the particulars of false religion than they are even their, their Bible. And so that is not what I'm interested in doing with the rest of my life. Uh, and if you want to learn about the many facets of false religion and cults, you can find wonderful resources that lay bare every aspect and nuance of every false religion out there. So uh, that you could spend a lot of time studying that. And I'm not saying that, that that would all be in vain either. But it's my goal as we journey together through this study to allow the error of Satan's many devices to contrast the light of God's glorious word. And we'll get into some falsities tonight that will give you kind of a framework to, to work from. And these are the things that I use. I'm not, these are not something I've read from a book. It's just from studying the Word of God. And so they're my categories. If you don't like them, you can make up your own. We'll get to those in a few minutes. But it's my goal as we journey together through this study to allow the heir of Satan's many devices to contrast the light of God's glorious Word. And uh, you've heard me uh, use the analogy before. If you want to spot a phony, right, you study the real thing. And I don't mean Coca-Cola. So... It's my goal as we progress to uh, as we progress to ensure that this local New Testament church will not be beguiled from the simplicity that is in Christ, uh, because it really is simple, uh, yet profound. What makes false doctrine so difficult to discern is that it is founded in truth that's twisted and illuminated 
uh, with the light of demonic pride. You know, the devil is uh, an agent of light. It's just not the light of God's word. He's uh, Lucifer means, you know, he's he's um, is is his one that was enlightened, right? He was he was a light bearing being at one time. So uh, he has his own um, false light, right? His own false. So he uses the truth, the truth of God's word, and twists it to beguile unstable souls. So it's my goal as we progress to ensure that this church doesn't get caught up in that. And that uh, demonic pride will not uh, overcome the truth of God's word so that we can scarcely discern the difference between the light of God and the light of lies. So look at Second Corinthians 11. Um, I'm not just using these terms, you know, willy nilly. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 11. And look down here at verse. We'll start in verse one. Second Corinthians 11 says, Would to God you, you bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now he's talking to the Christians at Corinth, and he's, he's saying that, that I'm, you know, I want to make sure that you keep your purity. Verse 3, But I fear, lest Satan by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ, right? So the devil wants to, to complicate, um, and he wants to draw us away from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, if you go on down to verse 14 of this same passage, it says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And so we see here that, that Paul is, is extrapolating out. He is saying, look, there, there, is a, there, is an active, there is an active force that is against the church. Uh, obviously, you know, the devil already has the world. Um, the motions of Satan are really to stop the church and to stop the mission of God. And Christians right now are woefully... Uh, woefully, like not in in the game, I think, when it comes to this. Because we're not in the game when it comes to making disciples and really the mission of the church. So once you get the mission of the church, the devil is all about stopping that. That is the real thing that he needs to stop, as well as Israel, right? Those are the two big ones, and we'll talk about why that is as we go. And so uh, that's what he's saying. There are not only is Satan an angel of light, uh, or an angel, to be more precise, he says... um, Satan is, is transformed into an angel of light, right? He's actually the, he's, he's full of darkness, but he is, he's transformed into an angel of light. But not only that, he says in verse uh, 15, it's not a big deal for him to t- make his, in, his ministers, right, transformed as, as ministers of righteousness. Well, if it's righteous, dude, then shouldn't it be right, right? Because the word righteous is what it's all about. Well, uh, at the end of the day, he's saying, no, that's the problem. You've got to be careful with these uh, light-bearing um, vessels that are not representing the Lord Jesus Christ in the light of God's word. Uh, and so there's, there's some things at play, right, in, in, uh, when it comes to truth and error and the, and the beguilement of souls and not just people that are lost that need to hear the gospel, though that is one aspect. We'll talk about that. But also... The church making disciples and staying on mission that also gets uh, corrupted 
and uh, and and there's false uh, narratives and false uh, uh, opportunities there to take the, the children of God off into a tangent they don't need to go. A lot of the cults are filled with born again Christians, like your Jehovah Witnesses. Oftentimes, will have a lot of born again Christians in their ranks because they haven't been discipled, and so Christians get saved. They have Bible study questions. Next thing you know. Um, the JWs of Caddy Corner across the highway are inviting them over, and the next thing you know, they're beguiled. You know, their minds are, are corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ, and they could not find their way dispensationally through the Bible, uh, as a preacher used to say, with a laser beam and a flashlight. It's just not going to happen because they've been their minds have been beguiled from the simplicity that's in Christ. So it's my job as a pastor to make sure that the truth is simply seen, so we can cut through the complexity of Satan's lies. Because that is what he does, is he complicates things. Now, this cannot be done by giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And so, while we are not to be beguiled from the simplicity in Christ, we should be uh, simple concerning truth. God clearly tells me that there, uh, there are and will be those among us who creep in with doctrines of devils. Uh, they will be manifest by their divisive nature and damage to the relationships in the body of Christ. It is for the sake of the hearts of the simple, Romans 16, 18, uh, that we be wise concerning good and simple concerning evil. If you have your Bible, just flip back a few pages there to Romans 16. And I've given you all these verses. Romans chapter 16, if you need to get ahead of me, you'll see the verses on the screen. Uh, Romans chapter 16. Somebody want to read that, verses 19 through 20? I need to get the mic in your hand. All right, get Caleb. There you go, brother. You're welcome. Yeah. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. Now, this is a verse that uh, has been near and dear to my heart, uh, just in general, even outside of the Bible study. Uh, it's easy to get caught up. Today, you get all kinds of information about all kinds of things. So, you know, Paul's admonition there is, I'm glad to hear uh, that, that, you know, your influence is spreading abo- abroad everywhere. So be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Right? The devil's trying to beguile us from the simplicity uh, that is in Christ and uh, the reality is, is that uh, he's like saying, you know what we need to be simple about is the things that are, that are evil, right? The things that we need to focus on are the things that are good. And that's the truth of God's word. And so we can get caught up in all kinds of studying of the evil and then forsake the good. But that doesn't accomplish much either. Then we accidentally fall into the trap that the devil has for us. So this course is not a defense of the faith for, for the faith does not need a defense. Uh, the faith that has been delivered to us stands as truth and defends me and it defends you. Uh, I don't defend it. Uh, rather, this subject matter is designed to give us an appreciation for the weapon that God has given us that assures us of our relationship with our Heavenly Father and His blessings upon those who we love, uh, who love, I'm sorry, and fear His commandments. Because if we love God, we keep His commandments. So as we uh, begin our study, I want to lay out some simple principles that will guide us through our journey. Um, and these are your, going to be your outlines. So, um, and if you've been through this study with me before, I've changed it a little bit. So this is not 
exactly what I've done in the past. But the first thing is, is heresy begins and, and begins and ends with Satan. Um, begins and ends with Satan. There's, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, and we must know the devices that destroy biblical unity. So those are going to be our three things that we're going to cover. The first one being heresy begins and ends with Satan. Now, in previous studies, I've said heresy begins and ends in heaven. Uh, I've, I've modified that uh, because it could be misunderstood what I mean by that. But it does begin with Satan, and that does begin uh, you know, in heaven. It begins in the beginning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. And for some of you, this will be review, and some of you, you this may not be review at all. So um, I think we need to start here. Where, where does this all begin? Well, it starts with that 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 angel, that that angel that we talked, not angel, that cherubim that we talked about earlier, Satan uh, in in Corinthians, Second Corinthians, that that transforms himself into an angel of light. Now in Ezekiel twenty-eight and verse thirteen. We'll just start in verse 11. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Uh, thou uh, hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Uh, by the way, uh, the king of Tyrus was never in Eden, the garden of God. That's why this this is a principality that's over the king of Tyrus. Um, Thou hast been in Eden, the king, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, and the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. That's amazing. Verse 14, thou art anointed cherub, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. All right, so this is, this is Satan before he fell and Lucifer, right? So what did he look like? Well, he was, he was uh, you know, this tells us here that he was a cherub, number one. So he's not just, you know, some people say he's an angel, fallen angel. He's actually a cherub, which he is a, he is an angel, but he's a cherub. Um, and so uh, he, had a, he had a role um, around the throne of God. Uh, he was the covering cherub, as a matter of fact. Some people think he, it says that covereth, meaning in verse 14, the cherub that covereth. Some think that he covered, uh, you know, the top of the throne. Some think he covered the universe from the Lord's light. So whichever way you look at it, he was in a position uh, that uh, covered, and God is the one that set him there. And he was, uh, he was, you know, with God, and he was, and he was, you know, communing with God, walking up and down the midst of the stones of fire. He was perfect, complete in all of his ways, right, from the day that he was created until iniquity was found in his heart. So, um, so what happened to that guy? Well, he fell. You, you know the five I wills. I don't have them in my notes here, but you can go. Let's go ahead and just look at them real quick. If you go back to Isaiah, uh, you know some of us. I don't want to belabor things you guys already know, but um, it probably is important. It probably is good to go ahead and and touch on this.
a sudden. Isaiah 14 and verse... Oh... Let's start to verse 11. Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy, thy, vials, the wor- uh, thy vials. The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, uh, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And of course God says, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake the kingdoms? And so his end is already predicted. He's he's really not all that in a bag of chips, but he thinks he is. And so the five I wills, of course, five is the number of death in the Bible. We often point that out. Uh, it's I, 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 right? And he puts himself equal to God, and God's like, no, that's not going to happen. And uh, you're not going to you're not going to usurp my authority. And we know that there was a a war in heaven, and a third of the angels followed him. We'll talk about that later. But if you go to to uh, uh, chapter 20 of Revelation. Um, oh, by the way, I need to move on with my outline here. So Satan was in the garden before Adam. Um, and so that's important to, to point out. And when he was there, uh, he something for your notes there. He had authority. Uh, he had glory. And he wanted more, right? He wanted more. So Satan, uh, he was in the garden before Adam. It says in Ezekiel chapter 20, uh, right, he was, in the, he was in the garden of God. Uh, that was before Adam ever showed up. And at that time, he had authority because <coughs> he was the anointed cherub that covered the throne. He had glory. And he wanted more. He wanted more. Iniquity was found in his heart. He wanted to, he wanted to reign um, he wanted to reign with Christ there, didn't he? He said, I want to be like the Most High. I'm going to exalt my throne. That's not going to work. So the root of heresy is a bad attitude toward the blessings of God. That's important. We all fight that from time to time. And you think, wait a minute, what are you saying? The root of heresy is a bad attitude toward the blessings of God. Yeah, Satan was not content. Godliness with contentment is a great gain. Godliness without contentment is a problem, um, and so he was he was a, he was light bearing, but he wasn't content with all that God gave him, which was a choice position, by the way. He wasn't humble, <coughs> and he wanted more. It's interesting. And heresy, we'll get to the definition of heresy in a few minutes, but just just you know, so heresy is a. Um, you know, in essence, is is it, it ultimately means division. It brings division. So hang on just a second here. Excuse me. So Satan introduced the first heresy in heaven. And I forgot, I did have it in our notes, so that's my bad. So we looked at that, um, and he and he brings rebellion with those five-eye wills that we just looked at in Isaiah chapter 14, 
12 through 16. So rebellion, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 15, 23, is as the sin of witchcraft, right? And so he rebels against God, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So, you know, rebellion is in our culture sometimes looked at as a cool thing. It's cool to be rebellious. Actually, it's not. It's as the sin of witchcraft. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23. Uh, that's that's. Uh, let me just go back and look at that, that passage with you real quick. <clears throat> Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as in, in sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken to the fat of rams. So Samuel uh, was rebuking Saul because Saul wanted to um, cover his iniquity with sacrifice. And Samuel's like, no, God's not going to have that. He told you what you need to do. You didn't do it. He lied about it on top of that. And then he wanted to offer sacrifices to cover it. God's like, no, I need you to obey. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. So uh, now it's interesting because Samuel, <clears throat> it, took, it, took, it took Saul several years before he realized or he believed. I wouldn't say several years. It took him some time uh, before he would actually acknowledge that. It's not until, and he has all kinds of wicked imaginations, but it's not until like chapter 20, 24, <clears throat> I think it is, when Saul finally, yeah, it's at the, it's at the cave of Adullam there where David cuts his, his garment, you know, and, and says, hey, Saul, why are you coming after me like a dog and all of that? I'm, I'm no threat to you. I've never wanted to hurt you. And, Saul, you know, and Saul says, hey, David, you know what? You're right. It's my sin and all of that. <clears throat> that will, you know, you'll be anointed king. And he finally admits that. But Saul was a wicked, wicked man, wicked hearted, and uh, and he and he never did, you know, he never repented. He was a terrible, he was a terrible leader um, of Israel. Unfortunately for him and for them, <clears throat> rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. First Samuel fifteen twenty three. It's like idolatry, he says, and and it's uh, it's worshiping something other than God. It's worshiping ourselves. So there's a reason why God takes rebellion so seriously. The first heresy was manifest in rebellion against God's righteous authority. And that's what Satan was all about. So point C there. Satan's decision to believe his own lie caused casualties. It caused casualties. And that's the unfortunate thing that happens with heresies. It causes casualties. Now let's look at Revelation chapter 20. So we go from the beginning to the end. Um, This is, of course the end of the story as we're getting to the revelation of Jesus Christ here. And as you go down to verse 10, after the defeat of the devil, it says, And that devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, 
and death and hell delivered up the dead which are in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And so sadly, <clears throat> whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we know in the process of time, if you go back to Revelation 12 and verse 3, that uh, a third of the angels uh, would be accounted in that. So from the beginning, a third of those angels uh, were uh, separated out. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, And, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, that would be Satan, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail, verse 4, drew uh, the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which is ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And so uh, some people think, and actually understanding how uh, you know God progresses through the judgment of Satan helps you understand this 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 passage about him because he fell he was the anointed chair that covered the throne right and then in isaiah 14 he rebelled against god that limited his fellowship with god in the third heaven uh, right now he's the prince and power of the air and we know from daniel that there is active spiritual warfare that goes on in the second heaven and um and in the first heaven because he's the prince and power of the air so uh that's been going on for the last uh about 6,000 years, and now um, with the advent of the, after the catching away of the church, as we go into the tribulation period, about three and a half years into Daniel's 70th week, uh, earth in this first heaven will become the final, uh, the final um, <clears throat> uh, location for the battle to, to kind of play out as Satan goes all in with his chips and indwells the Antichrist in the midpoint of the tribulation. So, uh, also, I believe the angelic host will follow in that pursuit, and that's why Revelation chapter 9, crazy things are happening with these creatures coming out of the middle of the earth. And, and basically, earth becomes uh, ground zero for the battle between Satan and God, and that's why the, the second coming occurs here as well. So he's, he's actively being you know, pushed uh, to the battle zone, and uh, that will be here uh, on earth uh, here in, in the Middle East <clears throat> as Jesus Christ returns after the uh, vials are poured out. So, um, and so that is kind of when you see that, I've had people ask that question in Bible study. It's, it's like, well, if Satan fell, then how is he the prince and power of the air? Well, he did fall. He's no longer the anointed chair that covereth the throne. But God, that's why he's fighting over the earth because he's, he's been the garden of God and then you know, after the 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 revelation or Genesis one one and one two, after the the uh, deluge of the of the universe and the earth, and God, um, you know, uh, reformulates the earth and uh, and creates man. All of a sudden, there's this this creature that God's created in the garden, and that is a complete threat to Him and has dominion over what was once His, and He is not happy about that. And so, uh, that's why there is a direct hit on. Adam's race. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. And so um, uh, that's why it's important, though, to understand that Satan is really at the core of heresy because he's trying to to defeat, um, you know, God. He took a third of the angels with him, with him. That's part of the casualties. But he also obviously has has not been kind to humanity. Uh, I don't know the numbers, but humanity has lost untold numbers of souls due to the lies of Satan. Now, that's what you see here in Revelation chapter 20, verses 10 through 15, is, is that 
is that, you know, multitudes of people will be cast into the lake of fire. And we know that God did not intend. He, how, who did he create um, hell for? All right, the devil and his angels. He didn't create that for, uh, for humans, but that's where they ended up uh, because of, of the fall. So time, uh, time is God's way of cleaning up Satan's heresy. Time reveals who is truth and who's a liar. And all heresy ultimately finds its way to rebellion against God's authority. And so uh, this is important. There's nothing new, right? Ecclesiastes 1. Uh, let's go back and look at that. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If you get there first, you can read it. Any, I got there, but anyone want to read that? You got to have the mic. You got the mic? Yeah. Anybody want to read that? Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 11. Candace will do it. She's got her hand in the air. She's waving like she don't care. <clears throat> the thing that has been, that hath been... It is that which shall be, and that which is done, and that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It has been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that that are to come, with those that shall come after. Amen. So... The thing that <clears throat> that hath been is that which shall be. I just was watching a, a thing today. Did, uh, have you ever seen the the video where they uh, Mount Ararat where they found Noah's Ark? Anybody ever seen that? I was watching this uh, today, and and uh, they're up there, and uh, they find aluminum in this <laughs> in this ancient, you know, of course, aluminum. When was aluminum invented? When was Alcola? It's like 1900, right? Yeah, it was a hundred years, a hundred and you know twenty years ago, or whatever. So uh, yeah, we didn't get into aluminum until one hundred twenty years ago, and yet they're up there with Geiger's, you know, or uh, with the metal detectors. They run into aluminum composites on this mountain on this boat, right? So there's nothing new under the sun, is there? Uh, we, I once I got saved, my mind just exploded uh, with just new thoughts on that, you know, um, and so. I don't want to get off on a tangent. It's just it is interesting because we think technology is new to us. You know, I've watched, uh, you know, back in the old days uh, when we watched cable television. I remember watching one of these history shows and they were talking about uh, modern weaponry and they're talking about the bow and archery and all this stuff like it wasn't invented until, you know, somewhere in the medieval times. I can't remember somewhere after the Jesus Christ was born. And I'm like. Looking at my Bible, and I'm like, wait a minute, didn't David, wasn't he, I mean, didn't they have archery in the Old Testament? I mean, you know, you just, you just look at the, the Bible, uh, there's so much stuff that's in there, engines of war, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we just have this weird, you know, lies, and our, as part of it is, is deception, that uh, we are the most knowledgeable people that have ever lived, and we just have it all figured out. It's just not the case at all. Yeah, Ron. Right. 
yeah, they were ahead of chat GPT, you know. So there is uh, there is all kinds of knowledge uh, in the days of Noah. We don't even know. Probably knowledge we haven't even comprehended yet. But that's uh, the, the point, though, is that is that no, there's nothing new. Uh, so uh, nothing should surprise us because what we see has already been, and that's that's the point. That's what Ecclesiastes one is is saying, verses nine through eleven. So, since the Bible is truth, um, it's not a truth, right? Too much Marvel universe. There's not a, there's not a multiverse, and there's not a multi truth. <laughs> I've I've had this discussion with people, you know. Well, the Bible's true, but there's other truth. You know, because engineering isn't in the Bible. Okay, I, I know what you're saying, but God created everything. So what we learn about what's created comes from God. I mean, ultimately there's truth, and it is the Word of God. Um, and so <clears throat> the Bible is truth, and it's absolutely infallible in history. And we should not be surprised that in it we find the patterns of false teaching and modern heresy as well. It is the source of, of it's not just the source of truth, it is truth. And that is the key. That's why this Bible in particular, your King James Bible uh, in the English language, is the Bible in English. And so it is true. Uh, all false teaching finds its way back to the seeds of false religious beliefs of ages past. <clears throat> and so um, this is why understanding the Bible is an accurate history book, or as an accurate history, history book, is so important. Because if you don't understand that, the way, God, the way God's laid out the Bible as a matter of fact, is so that you can understand history so you can understand the future. He doesn't give the book of Revelation as a disconnected prophecy from the Old Testament. He links it to the promises to Israel back in Daniel, right? And everything preceding it was he's walking through the seven churches. He's linking you to ancient Babylonian religion, for goodness sake, in Revelation chapter 17. I mean, he's, he's, he makes the what's coming in the future. He's giving you the roots in the past. So you can't divorce yourself from the history of the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun. I mean, if you want a good look at the Antichrist and and um, and his bride, uh, his harlot, you just go back and look at Ahab and Jezebel, right? In type, it's all there for you. So you can see that. I mean, there's so much in the in the Bible that has been that you can understand what will be because God's created it that way, and it's His book. It's His it's His revelation to us. So this is why understanding the Bible is an as an accurate history book is so important. Some of the things that you'll find in that, uh, and I'm just going to touch on a couple of things here, is the fall of man. Uh, that's that's huge. And I think today it's it's even more important. Uh, it's more important today than it was 30, I was calculating it. I think I got saved 36 years ago, something like that. It's more important now. It's always important. It's always been important, but it's super important now that we get that that that. Human nature has been corrupted from Adam, right? As you're doing your 23 and me, and you're getting your genealogy down, uh, one of the things that you got to do is understand that our genome is messed up from Adam, and you're not going to correct that without Jesus Christ. So that's a fundamental thing right away that you got to get in your in your brain. Uh, what we all know is true from Romans, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God by one man's sin, Adam. Right? We all get that. Now we get it. We're in the Amen Choir. That's increasingly being attacked in culture, right? Because Satan does not really want people to understand or believe that is the case. Uh, that's a huge lie that the devil wants people to believe. We're all children of God. I mean, you hear Christians say that kind of stuff. We're all children of God. 
No, we're not. We're all children of Adam. You're not a child of God until you become born again. That's why you need to be born again. Those those little lies uh, can mislead people uh, and and get us off course very quickly. Another thing, and I'm just going to touch on a few things, is the kingdom of darkness. Um, And so the Bible is an accurate history book in, in recording man's fallen nature. It doesn't. You don't have to have all of human nature, all of human history laid out for you, to understand man's fallen nature. Same thing with the kingdom of darkness. Um, the interaction of dark spiritual forces imposing their will upon the sons of Adam is recorded in Genesis six and Ephesians six. It's just self-evident in the scripture. Genesis six was a physical assault on the human genome, and Ephesians six is a spiritual assault on the human soul. I mean, there are there are forces of darkness trying to destroy. Uh, humanity there always have been there was in genesis there is today as in the days of noah so shall it be in the coming of the son of man and so uh these are are not just um physical you know physical battles these are spiritual battles and paul is writing in ephesians 6 telling the christians hey get your head in the game we do not fight against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in a spiritual battle, and it affects, obviously, the physical world. No doubt about that. All right? So um, many don't understand history because they don't believe in, in God. You just start there. If you don't believe in God and you're, you're believing some uh, Darwinian model of history, you don't even get it. Like you're thinking cavemen, you're thinking this, that, and the other. You don't even get where men start from. So you're off the whole time. History's convoluted, you know. It's just it's just a mess. Um, and if I brought this to the university, they would say I'm the crazy person, you know, uh, because because I'm not you know about the Cro-Magnon man or whatever. Uh, and so many don't understand history because they don't believe in the God uh, and the role of Israel in Scripture and the purpose. Of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and how it impacts human history. Now, I'm a Bible believer, so that's where I got to start. I don't really, I'm not giving you whatever, you know, the world gives you on this stuff. Uh, the Bible's an accurate book in history. It's, it's in, what has happened will happen. God lays it all out. Another thing that's, that's uh, self evident from the Word of God uh, is, is dispensational truth. Uh, dispensational truth and this, this isn't in your notes so just stuff that i didn't leave in your notes uh the the bible being an accurate book in history helps you understand the the, the truth of how god dispenses his grace differently through time so you can actually see and trace how god is dealing with man dealing with the kingdom dealing with the kingdom of darkness dealing with these issues that have arisen from the beginning so understanding how god dispenses his grace differently throughout human history is another key to understanding the falsehoods of Satan's devices and the pantheon of false gods and teaching uh, that Satan uses to beguile the minds of the simple. Uh, it's because God <clears throat> uh, God is on the move. Satan's on the move. You've got to have a understand how God is dispensing grace throughout time to accomplish his purposes. When you understand that, it puts history together for you. It helps you understand where things are going. Uh, another thing that, that uh, we see from believing that the Bible is an accurate book of history is understanding the Bible helps us uh, <clears throat> with the denigration of man. It helps us understand 
why, you know, men aren't getting better, they're getting worse, right? We get more tools, more technology, we should get better. We should have a utopian society. And yet somehow we get worse. Why is that? Well, getting back to Adam in the, in the fall, we get that. But an example of that would be uh, in more of a social construct, right? You don't have to, you know, like, you know, you, you're reading the newspaper and everybody's like, and how many people are like, I just can't believe what's going on, you know? But, but really, as a Christian, is that true? Can we really, can we, yeah, we can believe what's going on. We got a Bible. We know how this goes. A good, and I'll just use an example for you. If we believe the Bible's accurate, and we do, and we look back at history and the things that have been, will be, we, we can look at the nation of Israel. We can, look at a, we can look at a nation that's founded on the promises of God that moves uh, in by, sorry, I don't mean to laugh, Amy's cold back there, that moves, uh, moves by faith into uh, into their promised land, right? And 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 they're and they're charged with a. They have a written word to to go by. They are a moral people, and they're not to worship any other god. And they have an accurate record of history in their Bible. They have a relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of those things. <clears throat> and then we find that that through the the very things that we're talking about, through the through the not upholding the word of God as it is in truth, the very words of God, not doing what the, the poor Thessalonians under the persecution um, of the Romans were able to do, uh, which is simply hold fast to the faithful word as Jason's getting yanked out of his house and they're under persecution and they're not as literate as everybody else. They're simple people, but yet Paul says, hey, you're doing a good job. Why is that? Because they believed the word of God as it was in truth, the very words of God. And God's like, thumbs up. But Israel, who had the word of God, who had seen God part the Red Sea, who crossed the Jordan River, who who uh, def- put armies to flight, to, who saw giants get slain, who, I mean, all the things that God did. I mean, amazing miracles, you know. And then the next thing you know, they're, they're apathetic. And then the next thing you know, they're apostasy. They're worshiping other gods. They're threshing their wheat in secret. They have no power in their own country. Uh, all these things that go on. Uh, they're beholden to the to the the enemies that surround them instead of managing that property God gave them the way God said to manage it and and worship Him the way He commanded. The next thing you know, there's paganism creeping in, and so there's apostasy. You know, they knock down a good example, right? Jerubbabel, right? They so they go out at night and they knock down the god, and everybody's mad at Gideon. Why? Because you knocked down that God. You're going to bring trouble for us, man. Would you quit stirring it up? Don't you know that's going to make our enemies mad? Quit poking the bear. And finally his dad has to step out and say, hey, wait a minute. Before you go kill my son, whose side are we on here anyway? If the God needs defending, let let let, it, let them defend themselves. Whose God are we worshiping here? I mean, that's the best one of the best speeches in Judges. I was like, yeah, go get them, right? And that kind of got things started. The next thing you know, Gideon's on a roll, and things start going, and they go to war, and you know the rest of the story. And they have these little flashes. Well, what we see is just from history of the Bible, the Bible history is that when we don't exalt the Word of God, when we don't actually believe it as it is in truth, the very words of God, the next thing you know, apostasy creeps in, and that uh, apathy creeps in first, I should say, and then apostasy, false teachings, the heresies get going. And then the last thing you see is is anarchy, right? That last crazy story in the Bible, you have the self-righteous Ephraimite fella with his concubine that he shouldn't even have, and he's on a journey that he shouldn't even be taken, 
and he gets to a place that's in, in Gibeah where they, a bunch of homosexual uh, men take, uh, they, they sacrifice his concubine and this guy's daughter and they abuse him all night and all of that stuff. It's terrible. And this guy gets all self-righteous and because this is so terrible. Yeah, he did nothing. He did nothing to protect that lady. And yet he was all outraged, cuts up his, the woman, sends her to the 12 tribes of Israel, and they have a civil war and almost kill the Benjamite tribe over the thing. Uh, what was that all about? Confusion and chaos and anarchy because there was nobody was worshiping the way God told him to. All right, so the Bible is an accurate book in, his, in history. And, and so that homosexual behavior was a manifestation of the androgynous nature of the pagan deities that they worshipped. The outcome ended up being violent, militant, sexual deviants that abused women and men if they could, right? I'm not just making this stuff up. Genesis 19. Look at Genesis 19. It manifests itself in society. I thought, well, Brian, I thought you were going to talk about heresy. I am. I'm talking about heresy. This is where it goes. Genesis chapter 19. Genesis 19 and verse 5. The Bible says here, And they called unto Lot, and they said unto him, This is the two angels that show up to, 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 to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah there. And, and they called <clears throat> unto Lot, and they said unto him, Where are the, the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. <clears throat> now they're talking about perverse sexual behavior here. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and, and said, I pray you, brethren. You know, isn't it interesting how he calls the perverts brethren? <clears throat> I pray you, brethren, um, do not so wickedly. He, they're not talking about, hey, we want to have him over for dinner to get to know him. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about carnal knowledge. Behold, now I have two daughters <clears throat> which have not known a man. Uh, let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only <clears throat> unto these men do not, do nothing. For therefore uh, came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will uh, needs be a judge. <clears throat> now we will uh, deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house uh, to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were out, the, out of the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they were weary, they worried themselves to find the door. <clears throat> that scene is remarkable when you read it. First of all, you have Lot, uh, who they're, they're, by the way, they're, they're <clears throat> aware that he's from the outside. There, they even bring it up. Hey, we're going to do worse to you than we're going to do these guys. You guy from that came in from the outside. He calls them brethren to placate them. He's trying to placate them. What are these? These are militant perverts. And even when they're smitten with blindness, it says they're they're struggling to find the door. I mean, they're like revelation, right? Like at the end, after all those vials were poured out, and they're still coming to fight God. I mean, what kind of crazy, demonic, possessed behavior is that? That's ultimately where Satan wants man. Uh, that to you and me is unconscionable. Satan looks at that and says, <laughs> that's great. That's great. He has no compassion. He has no compunction. He does not care about humanity. He likes humanity in that kind of chaos. 
He likes to see us fighting among ourselves. He loves to see us in disarray and chaos. He loves it. That's what he's all about. He's all about it. <clears throat> and and so if he can get them to believe there's no judgment, ultimately that is what he got the sodomites to believe. There's no judgment. And by the way, where's the judgment of Lot? Here, just take my two virgin daughters and do what you will with them. That's reprehensible, right? Uh, unbelievable. Uh, just, oh man, it makes you sick. And it's and not just there. Go to Judges chapter 19. <clears throat> Judges chapter 19. You say, yeah, that was before, you know, that was before the law. Uh-huh. Well, let's get the law, right? Let's, you know, the Vikings are dead. Now we've got a civil society. And uh, let's see how that goes. <clears throat> right? The pagans have been defeated. Now we're, we're in the promised land. Judges, Judges chapter 19. Uh, I was alluding to this story just a moment ago. And you're like, well, Brian, what's this got to do with doctrine? It has a lot to do with doctrine. Judges 19 and verse 22. Now as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial... Uh, beset the house round about and beat at the door and spake to the master of the house the old man saying bring thither or bring forth the man that came into thine house that we may know him and that just sounds like i've read that somewhere before i mean it almost sounds just like genesis 19 now the the context here is this levite has found uh someone in this city in gibeah to take him in uh, and as he takes him into his home and they're, you know, they're enjoying time together that evening, hospitality, which was a, a good thing. Uh, these sodomites come to the door. And uh, it says in verse 23, and the man, the master of the house went out unto them and said unto them, nay, brethren, nay, I pray you do not so wickedly. Uh, this almost sounds like a repeat, doesn't it? Seeing that this man <clears throat> has come into mine house do not this folly. Have some respect for me. Behold, here is here is here he comes again. Here is my daughter, a maiden, and his concubine. Them I will bring out now, and and uh, humble ye them, and do to them as what seemeth good unto you. But unto this man, do not so vile a thing. Let me protect the integrity of this Levite by sacrificing his concubine, who was already running away from him his abusive behavior before he ever got here. But he went and talked her dad out of her, and this poor lady's been passed around uh, like a piece of property. Anyway, I, I just added that part. Let me give her to you and my daughter while I'm at it. Behold, here's my daughter. Verse 25, But the men would not hearken unto him, so the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them. And they knew her and abused her all the night until the morning... And when the day uh, began to spring, they let her go. Then came the woman in uh, the dawning of the day and fell down at the door of the man's house where her Lord was till it was light. Check this detail out in the text. And her Lord rose up in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman, his concubine, was fallen down at the door of the house and her hands were upon the threshold. That is so sad. And he said unto her, Oh, honey, what happened? How can I help you? Oh, sweetheart, I'm so sorry I gave you over to those perverts. He says, Up, let us be going. Because he really loved her. He cared so much for her. 
But none answered. Then the man took her up upon an ass, and the man rose up and got him, got him unto his place. Now, of course, this, this, uh, this account is very specific because Israel killed themselves over this thing, about killed the Benjamites over it. And later on, I'm sure they got the story after the fact that this guy didn't even care about his concubine, and yet he was so outraged in the way she was treated. He's the one who gave her up, for goodness sake. He wasn't outraged. He just wanted to cause problems, make himself look good. Bring forth the man that, that came unto thine house that we may know him. The women were second fiddle. They wanted the man. I mean perversion, beloved. Heresy. People don't even understand. Complete confusion in every way starts to occur in a society that forsakes the truth of God's word. It gets ugly. It's wicked because of heresy. Dividing people from their natural affection. I mean, it's, it's not good. So I believe uh, worship can be manifest in four easy ways throughout all time. Um, and so I'm going to give the, this again. This is the part I said. This is my outline. You can define it however you choose. But this is ultimately about worship. Remember, there was a cherub that didn't want to worship, and that affected everybody. And, there's, and, there's, and then there was a nation that didn't want to worship the way God said, and that affected everybody. I mean, worship's a big deal. God, he's, he, he deserves our worship. He, he is the object of our worship. All of these have some lap over uh, because Antichrist will fake the truth and pull together the false religion into a peaceful world religion. So what I'm going to give you, kind of, they all kind of will lap together in one world religion. But this is the Brian Hedges breakdown. So don't get, I didn't get this out of a book. So I just want you guys to know that up front. You may have a better outline than this, but this is what I got. Uh, there's the worship of one the one true God based in truth. That's ultimately the main thing, right? The worship of one true God based in truth. Biblical Judaism, Jews uh, are lost, of course, because they don't have not acknowledged Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But we acknowledge that the Bible, the truth of the Old Testament, was given to them to steward, and of course, it was fulfilled in Christ. Uh, those who so from a, so this I'm going to go a little deeper on you here. Uh, those those of you that get this get it, and if you can't, we'll get it later. But those that survive, uh, those that endure through the tribulation period will be saved. So they inherit the kingdom of heaven. So in that sense, um, there's a kingdom of heaven aspect. And then there's biblical Christianity. There's only really, that's it. I mean, the, it's all laid out for you, how, who, and getting back to the dispensation. So the worship of one true God is, is, is laid out for us through the history book of the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. I'll just leave it at that for making it simple. That's the only. That's all you got. Worship in the Jesus Christ, who is the one true God. Today, for us, uh, for everybody listening, right? If you're if I, now, like, if there's a Jew watching online and they have, and you know, it doesn't matter. If you don't worship Jesus Christ as the one true God, the Jehovah God, you are not saved. There's only one way, and that's through Him. And that's blasphemous, by the way, to uh, a Jew today. That's blasphemous to uh, 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 Islam as well. So they're false religions. There's heresy dividing them from God's will for their life, which is to be reconciled through their Messiah, Jesus Christ. Okay, so worship of one true God. That's pretty simple. You get that. But then there's a worship of Satan and his fallen angels based in the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, right, and the partial truth. Uh, it's not that there's no light. It's just it's perverted. 
And so that would give that'd be the Babylonian religions, uh, which I submit to you. I would include those gods that we're looking at on Sunday morning in Egypt. It's the same pantheon of gods, you know, different day, and and those modern cults of which they're man, they're still manifest. Some of the same pagan deities that were worshipped in Egypt or Babylon, um, in Greece, in Rome, are still the same pagan deities that have resurged through Wicca and the pagan deities that they worship today. Same same gods with a small g, different names, same stuff over and over again. Fertility goddesses, blah 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 blah. All right, and then you got the worship of self. Now this is this is really in our culture, I think, uh, you know, kind of deceptive, <clears throat> um, based in pride and, and a life of philosophies of men. Right? You got the Eastern philosophies that <clears throat> are all works based and uh, in different different you know whether it's Confucius, Confucius or uh, Hinduism. Um, you look inside yourself, you empty yourself of you, blah, 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 and you meditate, and it's all about you getting to your higher chakras. Uh, there's also the humanistic philosophy, <clears throat> which is more of a European mindset that's uh, that's infected the world here in the West. Um, you know, going back to Darwinism, that we're some animals that come, come out of the earth, and, um, you know, we can control our own destiny, and there's no God, blah, 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 humanistic philosophies that are still uh, affecting us and infecting us today. So people don't think that if you, I mean, honestly, if you believe that the survival of the fittest, um, which has driven a lot of racism and stuff over the years, uh, I tell you what, guys, that's that kind of heresy comes out of humanistic philosophies out of Europe. Comes right out of Darwin, Darwinian thinking. And it's taken to its extreme you know, you can go a couple different ways with it. You can go the way of Hitler <clears throat> and believe that you're a master race, some Norse pagan religious system that he applied to the German race to justify his terror upon the world. Uh, or you can go the way of Margaret Sanger and try to, you know, and try to kill off all the African-American children in America through abortion clinics. I mean, just whichever way you want to go. I mean, that's a humanistic, uh, wicked philosophy. And so people don't even realize it. And then there's on top of that, there's the new age philosophies of enlightenment, which is really just a, a kind of like the Eastern philosophies. There's a there's a Maitra or Maitra or whatever they call it. The new age is looking for an antichrist, the perfect Buddha to come. Same kind of philosophy. They're looking for that perfect man to show up, and manifest himself. And um, it's all the same baloney. Um, there and and so everyone's trying to you know, meditate and do their thing to try to get themselves to be uh, more perfect. And, and of course, um, the Hindus believe it comes in cycles. The Buddhists believe that in one lifetime um, that, you know, it's possible, even though none of them make it. And then um, <clears throat> I'm not sure what New Age people think. They're just kind of crazy. You know, go ask that redheaded actress, Shirley MacLaine. All right. And then uh, there's the worship of creation uh, based on the lust of the flesh and the ignorant fear. Um, and that I would <clears throat> I would classify that uh, we got a lot of that here. And, I, and again, some of these, as I said, intertwine. I've mentioned paganism several times because that's very at the core of a lot of this is paganism. Um, um, and environmentalism, though, is a is an interesting religion um, that is very popular today. Uh, and, and, and again, it, it is very close to pagan. It's very much paganism. 
the fact that we're not just stewarding the earth, but that the earth should. I'm all about conservation, but, you know, the concept isn't just conservation. It's that, that, you know, the earth is crying out to us, and it's like its own life force, and that we need to. It's our, just go watch that movie. I was talking about it in the pulpit a few weeks ago. Uh, Avatar. Yeah, yeah, that's that whole concept, you know, and that's a cool 3D movie and everything. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's just a pagan concept is all it is. And uh, which gets you back to some of these other, you know, Wicca and all these other false religions and ties you back in. So a lot of these all kind of kind of dovetail across each other. Uh, but but, you know, when I was younger, I never at first I never connected because I grew up in a world. If you're my age, I'm over 50. There was a time when actually conservation was a real thing. Like we rarely can, like America, by the way, I've traveled the, I've traveled around a little bit. Um, America's a great country when it comes to conservation. You know, we owe Teddy Roosevelt and some of those guys, uh, we give, I'll give them some credit. And the park system and all that, it's not a bad thing. I mean, cons- conservation, which is a conservative value, which is a, kind of based in a Judeo-Christian ethic that God created the earth, we should be good stewards of the earth. We shouldn't just, you know, take our chemicals and dump them in the river and kill each other and you know, all of those things, that's a great thing. We, sh- we should all be about conservation. So coming up, you know, Smokey the Bear, don't burn down the forest, all that kind of stuff. You know, there was a time in this country when I think most reasonable people were down with conservation. I mean, I, as a matter of fact, when I was a young person, I never heard anybody get up and go, down with conservation. I mean, there's never anybody pushing back on being, you know, picking your, no, throw your trash out. Let's all litter. You know, it was always like, yeah, we should pick up our trash. We should, we should probably not burn down the forest. Yeah, we should make sure we don't dump chemicals in the river so we, you know, our water should be clean. I mean, all of those things, America, you know, we should put clean coal dust collectors on our power plants so we've got the cleanest burning coal in the world. Uh, I mean, all of those things that we have done, and we are the cleanest country in the world and most productive, by the way, are all, I'm just telling you, those are all the blessings of God. And a Christian, whether people know it or not, it's a biblical mindset toward the earth, right? You still go out and shoot a buck, kill a buck, run a trout line, country boy can't survive. You can still, you, you don't have to worry about it. You can kill, you can thin out the, the herd because you understand God gave you that for supply, but you want to be responsible with your deer tag. I mean, all of that kind of thinking is wise stewardship of the earth. God will grow the trees back, right? So you can cut down your trees. You can make toilet paper. You can make paper. Just don't cut them all down. You know, plant up some more trees. Let's do, you know, all of that just common, what we call common sense isn't so common. It's actually based in biblical mindset, right? And so we had a time in this country, you know, where, where by the way, that, that rose up because God judged us. when we. You know what they called it when we didn't do conservation and farming properly? Anybody remember? Yeah. And there was a book written called The Grapes of Wrath. Grapes of Wrath. There was a time when people kind of said, hmm, maybe we're being judged. Maybe we need to come up with some other methods here and be better stewards of the property. I knew people that were in the Dust Bowl and, uh, and uh, told me about what it was like in western Kansas back when I used to preach on the circuits. And people lived through that. And uh, it's fascinating to hear that. So it's, un- it's almost unbelievable to hear those stories. Uh, but it was all about not being conservative, not not knowing how to rotate crops, not handling the, the stewarding the, the soil properly, not putting in hedgerows, you know, all of those things that you need to do. Uh, anyway, conservation, not a problem. 
I think anybody that's reasonable is about conservation. Environmentalism? That religion is like Earth Day? What is that about? Uh, the world's going to end? Like, how many times have I heard the world's going to come to an end because of global warming? Man, I, I got, I remember in my, I was in my 20s and I was at work one time and this dear friend of mine, you know, he's been educated beyond his intelligence in the, in the, in the, uh, in the college system. And I was like, I just thought he, everybody knew. I'm like, oh, this environmentalism is crazy. And I wasn't looking at it like this in a, in a, in this context yet. I hadn't actually come to the understanding. I was just like talking from a, coming from a place of conservation to environmentalism, you know, just like, I'm like, man, what are they talking about? The world's going to come to an end because, of, you know, the seas are going to rise or whatever it was at the time. If you've been alive as long as I have, it's global warming one cycle, then it's global cooling the next cycle, whichever. And it's always going to be, you know, five or ten years, like AOC says, oh, we're going to die, you know. But they're not really serious about that, right? Because if the, if the oceans were going to rise, the, the insurance companies wouldn't insure those properties. The, the, the businesses don't really believe that. Um, but they will take your carbon footprint and they will control your life for sure. But that's a whole other story. So environmentalism, uh, man, there's nothing wrong with conservation, but this environmentalism movement is crazy. And it is about worshiping the earth. It's actually about controlling the planet. And so um, that's all going to shake itself out in due time. And it, it's it's all going to come together, as I said uh, and, and coalesce under the leadership vacuum that the Antichrist will fill. So be careful with all of that. There's not a lot you can do to stop it, but it is it is a real thing. I mentioned that just because it is a religion, worshiping the, the creation instead of the creator. It's amazing how, you know, if you the same people that want to save the earth, if I get up and preach that there's one God, his name is Jesus Christ, and he created the earth. Well, now I'm a crazy man. What? You talk about the creator? You want to worship the creator? No, you worship the creation. Don't dare worship that creator. That's how you know there's a problem there. There's a big problem. Anyway, moving on. I digress. So we got to know the devices that destroy our unity. Because that's, again, remember, this is, I started in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The people that stand between the devil and the souls of men are, are us. It's the church. It's the people that hold fast to the faithful word. And so you all are way more important than you realize. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Lest Satan should be, get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Right? We can't allow him to get a, an advantage of us. So we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Uh, heresy is, I told you I'd get to this, is designed um, to keep lost souls from being reconciled. Uh, the definition of heresy, according to Webster in 1828, is a fundamental error in religion or an error of opinion respecting some fundamental doctrine of religion. But in countries where there is an established church, an opinion is deemed heresy. When it differs from that of the church, he's talking about like England or Rome. The scripture uh, uh, being the standard of faith, any opinion that is repugnant to its doctrines is heresy. But as men differ in interpretation of scripture, an opinion deemed uh, heretical by one body of Christians may be deemed orthodox by another. 
So here we see that uh, Mr. Noah Webster in 1828 is leaving room for differing of opinion because he lives in a free country where you can think and put ideas out. In Scripture, in in primitive usage, uh, heresy meant merely, and this is the fundamental, what you will find in the Greek word there in in Acts, uh, it's a sect, a party, or doctrines of a sect, as we now use denomination or persuasion implying no reproach. Uh, It's sort of like the word cult today. Uh, In American English context, cult is like, oh, you know, so that's when we use the word cult, kingdom of the cults, right? It's like, oh, that's terrible, and it is. But the word cult itself is like in Romania, it's used to describe a sect, right? It's like there's a Baptist cult. They don't look at it like, you know, a negative thing. They like when you hear blue oyster cult, I guess that's a, a good thing. I don't know, but there's a, it's a group of people. Uh, the word sect, uh, the word heresy just means, you know, to, to sect. But the, the problem is, is that the bad teaching separates people. And that's the context of it in the scripture as Paul uses a negative context. So disconnecting the mind and the heart from the truth of God's word is the principal way that Satan takes a place to take uh, takes place in our lives. And that's why doctrine of preservation is so important. If we don't have the words of God in our language, then we must trust another person or scholar to tell us what God says. And that is a Nicolaitan problem. And that is a doctrine and a deed according to Revelation chapter uh, 2. Right, there's the doc and three. There's the doctrines and the deeds of Nicolaitans, people who exalt themselves above the laity, so that you cannot have access to the truth. But you remember, I started off those Thessalonians, those simple Thessalonians, they had access to the truth because when the word came to them, it came not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the very words of God. That very fundamental principle is what keeps us from heresy, a literal understanding, not just that we have the truth, but that we ourselves can steward the truth. We can believe the truth, that God is speaking the truth to us, that we have the truth. We have God's words. We have the words of God. That is the key in holding fast to the faithful word as we've been taught. So uh, so there's another aspect, and that is uh, in 2 Corinthians 4.14. I'm going to pull up here, but just to kind of prime the pump for next week. In 2 Corinthians 4.14, we'll see that heresy is designed to keep saved souls from being edified. It's not just about separating souls that are going to be cast in the lake of fire. It's also about hindering the progress of the church and our fruitfulness of the kingdom of God. If the devil can hinder us from making disciples, he's going to do it. If, if he can keep this church from making disciples, that's the fundamental thing. He'll let us have soccer. He'll let us make Bibles. He'll let us do all kinds of things. But if we get to the point that we don't make, if we want to start making some disciples, now that's going to get in his grill. Because reproducing Life that can reproduce life is not what he's about. He wants us to reproduce death. And uh, that is not what we're about here at HBF. And that's not what any local church should be about. It should be about making disciples. And so heresy is designed in the text, of, in the context of what the devil's trying to do uh, to keep saved souls from being edified, to be built up, to be reproductive. And next time we get together, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, more specifically and work through these verses. So uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we will be. Or let me just pause for a second. I should have left a little more time. Uh, is there any any questions or any things that need to be blanks filled in or anything like that? Oh, Satan's devices. Did I not put it up there? 
designed to destroy. Well, I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, you guys are getting ahead of yourself. Yeah, hold on now. You got the answer without the, yeah, I'm not even there. So, yeah, all right. Next time we'll get together. Yeah, that's point B. That's the end of the story. But I got a lot to say between that. So, all right. So let's go ahead and we'll have a word of prayer and be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to get together as we...